Well, hello there. Welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. Good to have your company for another edition. In fact, it's the 40th edition of the year. It's in time flying by, James O'Toole. 40 editions. Yeah. It definitely has, in fairness. That's yeah. Getting, I must, must be getting close to that December season again, are we? Oh, gosh. Don't mention, don't mention the war. Don't mention the war. <laughs> what about the weekend? Let's mention the weekend. What did you make of Stephen Kenny's Ireland 3-0 in Azerbaijan? Anytime you win away from home in international football. You know what they say, James? There's no such thing as an easy match in international football. There isn't. And in fairness, I'm over the moon for Stephen because you even see a celebration of the goal, the first goal when he went in. It's probably the result that some of his performances have led to. Um, But again, people will say it was just Azerbaijan, but you need to win games. And that's what he's done eventually. Absolutely. Well, we're joined on this edition of the RT Soccer Podcast by Lisa Fallon and Pat Fennell. We'll touch on the under-21s. Very good win for Jim Crawford's side. 2-0 over Luxembourg at Tallis Stadium on Friday. They departed, well, they departed actually on Saturday for Podgorica and the meeting with Montenegro on Tuesday. Also, a very good win for Dundalk, which eases their relegation fears in the SSE or Tricity League Premier Division, beating Shamrock Rovers by a goal to nil in the televised game on RT on Friday night. And the Cup semi-finals will have a Shelburne Wexford Youth's Cup Final in a couple of weeks' time after a pretty eventful Cup semi-finals at the weekend. So Lisa Fallon and Pat Fennell with us. Let's start with the Men's Senior International on Saturday afternoon, that 3-0 win. I mentioned there, Pat, any time you win away from home in international football, that has to be a very good thing. But for Stephen Kenny, you know, it's been so long coming, that first competitive win, he got it. What, what did you make of it? Absolutely, like you say, it's, it's, you know, it's winning football matches at that level is what really counts. And it's, you know, we've had a, a poor campaign so far and to get, you know, three points on the board, score three goals. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a brilliant performance. I think it was. It was. I thought the second half was a lot better. The real pleasing thing for me out of performance was probably the amount of chances that we created. We haven't been doing that, and I think the fact that we we, we did create a lot of chances, particularly in that second half, sort of gives us a lot more hope. You know, defensively, I I still think we're we're solid, and we've got a really good goalkeeper, probably two or three good young goalkeepers, defensively solid. Um, that midfield area is still a concern for me. But look, at, there's been so much pressure on the players and the manager to go away, pick up the three points. Um, but I've said before, Adrian, as well, I, I think our performs over a long period of time have been okay away from home. Our, our major problem is, is is when we come back to Dublin, you know, and, and trying to break teams down. And, you know, if you watched the game last night, we played in a counter-attack a lot. We very little of the ball, but we, we were very effective in the percentage we have with it on the counter-attack. And maybe that's something we need to look at when we play teams at home, you know, it's um, because we need to find a way to win games in Dublin. That's the key for me. I think we're more than capable of going, putting on performances, getting results away from home to a point against the nations we should be beating. But at home, we have, you know, we have we have issues how how we how we deal with teams and how we beat the teams that we should be beating at home. And even you know, we've seen it over this group, even Azerbaijan and Luxembourg coming to Dublin and picking up points. You know, that's the key for me is when we get back to Dublin is how we break teams down. OK, we'll come back to those points. But uh, before we do, let's get the thoughts of Lisa Fallon. Lisa, your assessment of that win for Stephen Kenny, a first competitive win in Baku on Saturday. Yeah, I'd agree with a lot of what Pat said. I think um, for me, it was probably more like Ireland probably looked more like a Stephen Kenny team. Like, and I mean, like a Dundalk type team, a team that could find different ways to to play in the game and could play different way you know find different ways to win the game more importantly and you know I think it's it's great to have a philosophy of just playing out and you know side to side and triangles in in your own half and that's not really 
that's not really creative football. That's just keeping the ball. Um, but last night, I thought we were a bit more direct. There was a bit more purpose to our play. We weren't afraid to play forward earlier. And when we got into the attacking areas, just to go for it and take shots on that maybe in other games that, you know, I felt in other games we had almost looked like we were trying to score the perfect goal, taking too much out of the ball, too many touches, too many sideward passes, getting into the final third and not necessarily looking for that clinical edge. But Callum Robinson's first goal, I mean, it was a great, great strike. Um, but he just took it and probably didn't really have much of a right to hit it the way he was and the way the ball fell to him. But it was a great strike, um, deceived the goalkeeper. Um, and it just kind of put Ireland a little bit on the front foot, like there was a bit more intent to them. And I just, like, when you look at Stephen Kenny's Dundalk teams over the years and, you know, a Cork City I was with Cork City for those five and a half years and we had an unbelievable rivalry with Dundalk. But Dundalk didn't always play out. Dundalk would play out if you didn't press them, but they would go long and they'd go direct and they'd put crosses in on top of you and they were lethal from set pieces. And I just felt that last night Ireland actually looked a bit more like a Stephen Kenny team. That's very interesting. Pat, would you identify with what Lisa's saying? I think so. I think, you know, I think you play to your strengths. Maybe uh, Stephen is looking at it now that, you know, the strengths of the team, for me, one of our weaknesses in the team is, is central midfield. So if you want to play and you want to play through there, then you've got to have players who are more than capable of getting on the ball and, and, and thinking you're over and making sure that, that they play the game that way through the towards. I think when you have the likes of Ida and Robinson and even young Benye when he came on, they've got pace and you want to get the ball to them as quick as possible. And sometimes there's no issue, you know, that long pass rather than a long ball sometimes can cause, you know, problems as, as much as trying to build a troop towards. So I think what Stephen has done is, is maybe over a period of time has found, maybe finding a way that suits us to play a little bit better. Would you agree with that, James? Because I, I know what, what Lisa is, is suggesting as well, because you saw it even with the under-21s. It was like a the old Derry City under Stephen Kenny and Stephen, and Stephen Kenny's Dundalk, slick passing, lots of movement. And he, he tends to go for players with a bit of pace. That's why I think he's put a lot of faith perhaps in Chidozi Agbeni, albeit he came off the bench. But you get the general point. Yeah, I think the, the way they moved through the phases was a lot quicker. As Pat's saying, I think Josh Cullen actually is a find in midfield. Um, but again, it's just a little bit weaker apart from him in there. Lisa's saying it as well, like the fact of the matter, it was either a ball was on, put it into the middle, put it out wide, whip across in, see what we get. Even if we go into the last couple of minutes, Chidozi had the ball one-on-one on several occasions. And you could hear Ray and you can hear Dara going, just go to the corner, just go to the corner, but it's not in him. He tries to beat the player and get in and try and get across across. And that's eventually where his goal comes from is because of his running and, and their running. But it's good to see them going through the phases like that it's good to see if a ball pops into the middle we'll put it into the middle quick it seemed a lot quicker last night um, on the wing it seemed better. James McLean had probably his best game in an Ireland jersey in a long long time and even Robinson as Lisa mentioned it's just shooting like his first goal he, in the previous games he probably would have looked to settle and played inside again but because of the way it comes to him he just takes the shot and it ends up in the top corner that's the kind of thing that Stephen needs to get into him. it looks like it's getting there slowly but surely, and a good performance, a great way to get a win from. OK, well, let's hear from Stephen Kenny after the game in Baku. He spoke with Tony O'Donoghue, RT's soccer correspondent. Yeah, listen, it, it, it's not often Ireland can come away from home in a, in a qualifier and win 3-0. So it was brilliant uh, to do that and the players deserve a lot of credit. And Callum Robinson, for I suppose he's been in the spotlight all week and, and for him to turn up with, with two goals and so many chances for a hat-trick even. 
Yeah, you know, it's ironic that two most difficult chances are the ones he scored because he had an easier chance, but he, he was terrific tonight, you know, and a uh, very intelligent player. Gives you, brings, uh, you know, a lot of creativity to our, to our play. We've missed him, and uh, but overall, I thought the importance of a clean sheet because we haven't kept a clean sheet in the qualifier, and that was very important that we did that. Uh, it's only for us now in the last seven games, bar the 97-minute goal in Portugal, that's the only defeat in the last seven games. So you can see the improvement in the team. How we haven't listen, we should have won more games that we've drawn. It was important to win tonight. Created an awful lot of chances in the second half, and the spirit amongst the players they were brilliant. You know, tremendous effort, and uh, they deserve huge credit. From your own point of view, there was there's always pressure when you're the international team manager, but to get that monkey off your back of that first competitive win, how does it feel for you personally? Yeah, listen. You know, I think we had a lot of good performance in the group, and you know, so we needed to win that, of course, and we did. And we're pleased to win it. We want to go again against Qatar midweek, and you know, hopefully, it's a good crowd. I think it means we'll probably have a full house, 50,000 for Portugal in November, and that'll be special. And uh, we want that, and hopefully, get a good crowd for Qatar during the week. Does it silence the noise though around your position, which has been just growing? I don't care and about that. You know, I know, I know, we're creating a team. Here, very exciting team that we've we were created. We've blooded so many players, and you, can, you know it's not all going to have work straight away. You can see um, the potential. We'll, we'll get better. I feel. I definitely feel we get better, and uh, so we have to continue with our work. There you go, that's uh, Stephen Kenny speaking to Tony O'Donoghue on Saturday after that 3-0 win over Azerbaijan in Baku. In terms of the game, uh, Lisa, Ireland had so many chances, which was very, very encouraging. Great to see a Stephen Kenny side creating so many opportunities. I mean, Callum Robinson, he got his two goals in the first half, but he could have gone home with a couple of match balls. Yeah, absolutely. And Adam Eda probably should have got a squared ball to him and he might have got his, his first goal as well. But but look, it's... um. They were great chances and that was the that was the, the most pleasing thing that it was you know, you look at the scoreline and it looks a comprehensive win, even though the the performance wasn't perfect. But you don't mind an imperfect performance because you're never really going to get a perfect performance. Um but the the you know, and I've said this before, the most important thing is that you do the right things in the right moments to win the game. Um, and you know there was there was I felt there was a bit more intent about them last night. There was a bit more resilience. There was a bit more purpose about them. There was a bit more sleeves were rolled up. We're going out to win the game. And even the narrative before the game, it wasn't talking about we're looking for a good performance. The narrative was we're going to win the game. And that in itself, I think, just reframes the mindset going into the game. Um, I think top players need pressure to perform you need that pressure to win to get the win um because if if you take that pressure away then it takes the edge off the performance um and and i just i i just can't i that's why i couldn't understand the narrative of it's all about performances and and you know that it, it's okay not to win i just could never understand that narrative um and that was with the senior women's team as well that it is important to win at senior level. And I just felt maybe that a little bit of the pressure maybe helped the team to refocus and, and just to focus on going there. Yes, we have to perform, but the most important thing is to win. And that's what Ireland did last night. They focused on getting, you know, the right things in the right in the right moments of the game right, which is a clean sheet and getting the win. 
and for me that was the most pleasing aspect of, of that performance last night Pat do you want to elaborate on something you touched on a little earlier your concerns about midfield what in particular worries you most <coughs> I think if you look at the game last night, and I, you know, and you have to put this into perspective as well, because you know, Azerbaijan are not a good side, um, you know, but they still for that fifteen twenty minutes after we, we we scored a goal, I thought they they, they dominated the game, and that concern of that central midfield area where against better sides, and we have been outplayed, we've been outtaught a little bit in relation to how we play the game with with with, with three midfielders or two midfielders, and uh, isn't Young Collins done quite well? You know, we, we, we've spoke about Hendrick for a long time. You know, he, he, I thought his last game, uh, previous to last night, was probably one of his best games for us. But still, for me, that's central. I, I think, like I said, if, St- if Stephen, you know, if you're looking for your centre-half to go and get in the ball and build a play-up and build through the towards the midfield, you've got to have a midfield player that can dominate the game, that can control the game, can drop the tempo, raise the tempo. And we don't have that. You know, we do not have that. It's an area of the team where where we are we are really short. I I feel in that type of a midfielder, we have a lot of very similar central midfielders who are, you know, aggressive, dogged, work really hard, get around the pitch. But I still haven't seen anybody, you know, and we haven't had one for a while. To be fair, you know, that can put a foot in the ball, dictate the pace of the game, up the tempo for us, like that, slow it down, you know, and 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 that's probably. The one part of the team that I've concerned. The other thing is, you know, we, we the, the young forwards we have at the moment, and this is a problem as well. Not a lot of them are playing for their for their first teams. You know, a lot of them are not getting like out or like he he just done quite well. Connolly's done quite well at times. Um, even you know, Ben done well last night coming on, but he's not playing every week for Rotherham neither in League One. So we have to be careful that we don't heap too much pressure on these boys as well going going forward. We I think we did that with Parrot and probably probably caused him some problems in, in his career and hopefully he'll come back into the into the, the form that he showed uh, originally, you know. So I just think that's centre midfield area. And maybe Stephen is looking and thought, listen, you know, if, if we've got pace at the top end of the pitch, and we see it with Liverpool as well. I think Liverpool, you know, they get the ball forward. They get it to the three people who are going to cause problems. You know, they don't overplay. They pick up second balls and play in midfield then. And I just think that's... it. When we go and we play at home, this this for me is 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 the real key to if we're going to improve as a team is is playing games at home where we can go and win matches against teams that we're expected to beat. Um, and if we're going to play a certain way, for me, you have to have a midfielder who's going to be able to dictate that game, and we don't. It, Lisa, for me, last night watching the game, if there was one thing I'd be critical of is of the team and how they were set up was that Azerbaijan when we played them a couple of weeks, the months ago at home, everything they did was from long shots. And then again last night, Gavin Bazunu was called in to, to save a, a load of shots from long range. That would be the one thing I would say, would you agree with that? Or maybe that's where the midfield that Pat's talking about isn't getting back to cover them players on the edge of the box. Well, I suppose I'd rather they're shooting from long range and outside the box than inside the box. And that's being honest with you because statistically you have a far greater chance of scoring from a shot inside the box to outside of it. Um, so if you restrict a team to just some long range efforts and albeit, you know, Gavin Bazuna had to make certainly one great save um, from from one of those. Yes, you want your midfielders to, to get close to the ball and get that pressure on it and, and at least prevent it. And look, to be fair, you know, we've spoken about Irish players getting pressure on the ball late in the um, late in the in the game against 
Portugal, we didn't get pressure on the ball to, to stop the crosses in in the Azerbaijan game, the home game. Again, their their goal comes from the edge of the box because we just didn't get any pressure on the ball. And it is still, you know, I suppose, symptomatic of, of some of the, the areas for development in this team. Um, I, I personally, I'm a fan of Josh Cullen. I think he has real potential. I think he's the type of player that can get on the ball. He can open up the pitch. Um, he probably needs to gain a little bit more confidence, as Pat was saying, in terms of you know just dictating the tempo of the game. But for me, one of the biggest issues during that spell last night was that we actually got separated from the front three. We were, we were trying to build from very, very deep at times. So our back three were around the the 18 yard box our midfielders Hendrick and Cullen were almost you know a couple of yards off the edge of the box and Azerbaijan were pressing us and the three lads were were up high they were up near the halfway line and we just got separated and and the lads couldn't get out because of the pressure that Azerbaijan had on them and what you really want in those situations is you want your Horgans or your Callum Robinsons dropping in given an angle beyond the press for the lads to get out and for me that was one of the areas that potentially we could work on that you know that those two key players whatever about the front man staying up high and keeping keeping the the pitch you know stretching the pitch a little one or two of those lads even alternatively could drop down as we're trying to build out and give an option for the midfield lads to get out. And I felt at times during that 20 minute spell after the goal last night, we didn't get that we got separated. And I felt that that was probably a big part of the problem. Uh, Pat, obviously so much of the build up and we're not going to spend too much time on it, centred around Callum Robinson and his Mm. comments about the vaccine and, and what have you. But I'm just wondering, would that have had much of an effect on the squad, on the, on the group mentality going into a game or do players just generally look after themselves and, and park that kind of stuff, those headlines? When, when it's been talked about on Liveline, you know it's serious business, but what did you make of all of that? I'm not sure, Adrian, many of them listen to Liveline, <laughs> to be honest, but listen, I, I think they would have been annoyed by it. I think they would have felt that one of their teammates was a little bit hung out to dry, to be honest, you know. I think that probably, as, as far as they would go, I don't think they lose any sleep over it, but I think they would have been annoyed by, by it, you know. But it would have galvanised people. I don't know, but I think it would have annoyed people that one of their own teammates was was sort of left out on it, and um, it would have disappointed them. I think you know. And um, in fairness to Callum Robinson, it didn't obviously it didn't affect him because he scored. He scored well. First goal was a fantastic goal. Second goal, the goal goalkeeper is really poor for. But listen, there's been enough said about. I think at this stage, it's time to move on, isn't it? It's it's you know for me, it's his own personal decision, and I think it is for everybody in relation to COVID. And, you know, like I said, when 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 it starts to make headlines and papers and, and radio shows or whatever, um, I think it would have disappointed the, the squad probably more so than anything. Lisa, how impressed have you been by Gavin Bazunu in, in goal for Ireland? I'm a big fan of his. Um, I remember down at Cork City, um, he came down as a 16-year-old with the penalty saves <laughs> and a really really important game, and he saved a penalty from Kieran Sadlier. And and to be fair to Sads, he's one of the best penalty strikers in the game. You know, he's, he's a let it go, Lisa. Um, <laughs> oh no, listen, I still I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> but um, but no, listen, it was it was you know even that night as a 16-year-old, the confidence he had, the way he came out and commanded his box, and he just you know he he just had a great um, aura about him 
and for a 16 year old to have an aura about them in goal at, at you know at senior football level is quite something and he he struck me you know he really struck me that night and you're like god this kid will go far and I know he had a spell at Rochdale and obviously there's quite a few Irish lads Jimmy Kyohan and Stephen Dooley and uh, Bones, Owen O'Connell, um, all at Rochdale. So a lot of ex-Cork City lads and Brian Barry Murphy there as well. So it was easy to kind of keep an eye on on how he was doing and his progress. And, you know, I'm not surprised. I think he's made a really, really good decision to go out on loan um, and get himself playing games, albeit at a, a slightly lower level. But it doesn't matter. It's that, you know, you're playing games that mean something week in, week out. And you're playing against men and you're, you know, it's competitive. There's no love lost in the box um, at set pieces and you can't beat that experience um, and I think you know I think he's such he's such a talented lad and I think he's you know we're, we're really spoiled with himself and Creevy and Kelleher yeah. um, as a nation to have two lads like that that are going to push each other all the way and, and even more to the point whichever one of them ends up in goal or if there was an issue at one and the other had to go in you'd never really fear for us because you know they're they're two solid keepers with you know at least probably the next 10-15 years of Irish goalkeeping is, is well in hand and that's a great great place to be James he's, he's very confident isn't he even in his dealings with the media he was put up before the media for one of the press conferences during the week and he's very articulate but very confident and comfortable in his own skin Oh yeah, he's completely. It's amazing to see what he's able to do. Like even from as Lisa said, when he, I was at that game and turned his cross, and when he walked out, the first thing that struck me was the size of him. <laughs> he's an absolute yeah. unit of a young lad. But yeah, you hear him talking to the media, the way he deals with everything around him. He seems very, very calm and assured. I, I did see someone say that he could go on to be the highest capped Ireland player around, and that could well be the case. And. It's difficult for Stephen now because the goalkeepers, we've got three very, very good goalkeepers. Mm. And it's difficult to get him, but I think Gavin's definitely put his hat in the ring and he's the one that's going to stay there for quite a time. And Cuevin will have to push him a lot to get it, get it off him, I'd say. Pat, you mentioned Ireland and playing at home and finding a particular way of playing at home and dictating mm. matches and controlling matches. We have Qatar on Tuesday. What are you expecting in that game? And generally with these kind of matches, there tends to be a lot of change and changes during the game. But what would you like to see? Yeah, I think this is difficult, one, isn't it? It's, it's probably the the more competitive ones I'm talking about. I think the friendlies are always difficult because you know, imagine Stephen will, will will change the team and give people game time and have a look at you know different individuals as well. Or maybe he won't. Maybe he'll stick and think we've got to win. Or I'll stick with fairly close to the team he's had. So it'll be interesting to see what what team was put out. Friendlies are international level are difficult to to to, to call. We've seen so many over the years that um have probably been boring for want of a better word. And um, but you're hoping that we. I, I, I'll go back to that point of, you know, when we get to, the next one is Portugal, obviously, which is a really difficult game at home. Um, but we, we we have to find a way. And and if Stephen is, is, is looking, you know, last night we, we, we had a lot less possession probably in some of the other games we've played away from home. Um, they give up possession, you know, to counter-attack teams. Uh, worked quite well for us last night. Um, so it's it's trying to get that balance right. And looking forward to seeing the game, you know, I think there's some good young players that we've seen. Is there is there a few more that might get a little bit of an opportunity? Come would Kelleher play instead of Bazuno? I don't know. Um, I'd like to see young Collins play as well, maybe in 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 a back three to see how he gets on. So there's another couple of young lads there that are probably uh, looking. You'd imagine like Benya as well done really well when he came on. He may get a little chance, and the likes of Conley may maybe maybe get in the team. So I think there's there's there will be changes made, but I think momentum is huge, isn't it? Hmm. You go away and you win three 0 you know, and we've seen it when we, we, you know, we went to Portugal. 
came back disappointed, went to Serbia, and even though we, we we came back on a bit of a high, even though we were defeated, dropped more points in the next game. So it's momentum at any, any level of football, particularly a senior international level of football, keep winning matches. I know Stephen spoke about that and he's had taken a bit of stick for it today, about seven games unbeaten. But that's trying to build on something as well, you know. Can we go again and win? That's two that, that's two victories back to back. It's just all that momentum that gives people's confidence and belief, not just in the group, but outside the group as well, because there's still that perception that is Stephen the right man for the job? Is he is he not? And you know, the only thing that will change that is winning football matches. You know, that stops all that talk um, is to, to continue to win a football match. So we've won one. Can we win the next one? Because the one after that is going to be really, really difficult. Um, you know, so I'd like to see us obviously go and win the game as well. Go and win the game. Can we create as many chances as we did last night? And you'd be more than happy. What are you hoping to see? Or what approach do you think, Lisa, that Stephen Kenny will take to Qatar, given, given Pat's reference there I to the importance of momentum? I think momentum is massively important, um, especially after the run that we've been on. Um, I think to put together back-to-back wins, one away from home, one at home. And bear in mind, Qatar are a far higher ranked team than Azerbaijan. Um, you know, I was I was actually looking at the ratings there earlier and Qatar are actually ranked ahead of Ireland in the world rankings. They're 44th in the world rankings. They're ahead of ourselves, Northern Ireland, Egypt, who have Mo Salah playing for them, Hungary, who are at the Euros. So these are not going to be a pushover. And I, I've covered some of the, the games during the FIFA Club World Cup last Christmas and, you know, they have some real quality players um, like real quality players. So we wouldn't want to be underestimating them and thinking that they're going to be a pushover because they're not. This will be a tough game. Um, and they do have, and they're preparing to have a team that can compete at the World Cup next year. And this is a project they've had since 2004. So this game is a serious game for them um, because it gives them the opportunity to play against teams and the different types of challenges that they'll face in, in the World Cup. So I actually think this will be a tough game. I think Qatar will have a, a fair bit of possession. I think it's a great opportunity for Ireland to actually build on the performance against Azerbaijan, take all the good stuff, keep that, get the momentum, keep lads in positions. And it's an opportunity for Stephen now to maybe refocus elements of last night's game that he wants to fix or improve on for the Portugal game and this game gives him a buffer to do that and I think it's a great opportunity to use it but because these are going, going to be a quality team um, just because it's Qatar and they don't have great pedigree or great tradition as a footballing nation they actually have some very very good players and they have a very attacking style of play and um, they are quite direct they they you know they they're very a driven team um, and they've had quite um, quite good successes in the last two years and those successes have pushed them onto that ranking so i actually think it's a great opportunity for ireland to put out a solid team Bill, you know, if he makes one or two small changes from the game yesterday, but it's an opportunity to get momentum and get those two back-to-back wins and really set us up for the game and get a, you know, a home win in 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 the Aviva Stadium would be really important for the home fans that are there and build that momentum and you know amplify that goodwill that's surrounding last night's performance, build on that and get you know push that momentum on going into the Portugal game. Yeah, I'm just wondering as well, Pat, because it's just the nature of the world we live in. Everything is so reactionary to you know the latest. So the latest game, 
people react and they go on social media and whatever. So obviously you have the, the pro-Kenny camp and you have those who think, well, the, the job's too big for him. And I'm just wondering, if we don't get a win, if we get a very credible performance and maybe a draw... Will people start clamouring again about the manager's position? We heard Tony asking about noise around his position. Are we always going to have that just on the fringes of things? I, I think that's the way football's gone. Is I think I take Lisa's point, but the, the point I'm making is that Qatar are decent side. They've got some really good players, you know. But again, it's that you know we are expected to beat Qatar in Dublin. The same we're expected to beat Luxembourg. Same we're expected to beat Azerbaijan, and that's the problem for us at the moment. And I think if you're beating them teams. I'm not saying you get an easy ride as a manager because you don't at the moment, and you know because, like you say, social media can be so poisonous at times. But they're the games that you know if you take it. We'd we'd have beaten Luxembourg and beaten Azerbaijan. We'd be sitting in a really comfortable position. I don't think the manager would be under the pressure he's under as such. So yeah, absolutely. If we get beaten by Qatar. The, the same people will come out and say, you know, Stephen's not up to the job or whatever the case may be. I don't think he, I don't think he can he can focus on that. I don't think he has. You know, I think that's just a, the way football is and, and sport probably in general that you're up there and you and you and you you're there to be shot at. Whether it's right or wrong is for other people to decide. But I just think, like I said, it, the momentum of of back to back victories, particularly going into the next game as well, it gives everybody confidence. Gives everybody confidence, and it will stop that talk for a period of time going into the next game as well. But if we do lose to Qatar in Dublin, yeah, there's no doubt we we'll have the same questions raised again about. The manager, or whether he's up to the job or not, but yeah, I don't think you're ever going to stop that. And at the moment, I think that's just like I said, we've seen, we've seen, you know, we've seen teams lose a game or two, you know, at all levels of football. Even last week or the week before, maybe I was doing the Saturday sport, and, and I don't know, United had lost, but Salzburg they were playing at the end, they won, they went top of the league, but people are actually questioning whether he was up for a job or not. And you're thinking, well, you know, what what do you have to do? <laughs> where do, where do you have to be as as a manager? So you go into the job as a manager. You know, you know, you know, you're gonna, and it's getting harder and harder for managers. You're not gonna, you know, you're gonna take the flack after every defeat. There's no doubt about that because that people have access to do that now, and you just got to, you just got to get on with it, and, and and hopefully we don't lose the game. Um, I, I, you know, I think people can get caught up in performances. Per, the performance for me last night wasn't great. Was it good? It was okay. We won three 0 That's all that matters for mm. me. You know, people keep talking about how we're playing, develop. It's not a development league. We're not playing a development league. We're not. Stephen's not the manager of a de- development squad. We're playing senior international football to win matches to qualify for tournaments. That's all that matters. So if we win again, we're not playing well. For me, I'm happy that it's another result. It's another positive result, and it builds confidence all the time. All right. Well, listen. Ireland against Qatar is on Tuesday evening at the Aviva Stadium, and it's live on RT2 Television. And Pat will be with us on Radio One Extra for that particular match. Let's turn our focus now to the Irish Under 21s. Very good win over Luxembourg by two goals to nil. Joshua Coyote and a Connor Coventry penalty, earning Ireland that two 0 win. So seven points out of nine taken in Group F. Here's the reaction after the game of the Irish Under 21 coach Jim Crawford. Yeah. Well, first half I told. We a little bit um, uh, nervous, a little bit slow getting into the game, but um, second half was a totally different performance. You know, we started on the front foot with Tyreek Wright. You know, he was threatening on that left-hand side and Liam making his under-21s debut, done fast, fantastic for us as well. So, all in all, it was it was a you know a pleasing night, particularly the second half. You know, where we we were a lot better. Yeah, what changed going into that second half? Just a half time. We we said to him, you know, we got to have more belief. We got to move the ball quicker. And certainly we did that, you know, and we knew what Luxembourg were going to bring. 
uh, to the table with regards, you know, dropping deep and what have you. So it's up to us, you know, to uh, uh, to to move the ball quickly and, and exploit as many opportunities as we can. And we were just trying to force it a little bit too much in the first half. But second half, when it opened up, you know, we cre- created how many chances, I don't know. But look, you know, 2 nil. You know, we're happy enough with it, but I think it could have been a little bit more. But again, what Luxembourg do is, you know, they, they draw you in to try to get you on the counter attack. And, you know, Brian Maher had to make a fantastic save too, you know. So uh, uh, that, that's that in the summary of it. That's uh, Jim Crawford, the Republic of Ireland under 21 manager. So that Group F table reads as follows Sweden topping the table on 10 points, Italy on 9. Italy, of course, with three wins out of three. Ireland on seven points after three games, perhaps still ruining the dropped points in Luxembourg. But Lisa, you were on co commentary duty at Tallis Stadium on Friday. What was your assessment of that performance on the win? Yeah, I thought, um, you know, and I also watched the game that we played over in Luxembourg when we did draw that game two or one all and you know it it to be fair it probably mirrored that game a lot um the first half did Ireland very much side to side not really going anywhere and then getting frustrated and going long when it wasn't on and you know Luxembourg they, they're the type of team they sit in they're really narrow I mean the distance was between their 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 back line and their midfield line was no more than seven or eight yards at times they were so so deep and so compact and but Ireland you know had players and you felt that if Ireland just started to actually take them on 1v1 actually just go at them like the likes of Liam Kerrigan the likes of Tyreek Wright um, and JJ Coyote and when they started to do that in the second half it really caused them problems the best way to break down a, a really rigid structure is just to isolate the defenders and Ireland once they started doing that created some really good chances Ross Tierney um, from Bohemians was excellent in the game you know he was making great little runs right across the defenders and once they kind of got you know the confidence and and as, as Jim Crawford said a bit of belief you know and, and if that was down to nerves maybe that was the issue in the first half but certainly in the second half Ireland played with a lot more intent and you know a little bit more um freedom and and you know a bit more direct as in not direct as in going long direct as in playing forward quickly quicker um and really caused Luxembourg problems then in, in those situations and you know towards once you kind of got to the 70th 75th minute the Luxembourg team were out on their feet they were really this you know a couple of the lads in midfield couldn't even run anymore they had to be taken off because they had just spent so much time out of possession so you know that last 15 minutes of the game Ireland really turned the screw um but it was it, you know was a good performance but you know when you look at the teams that they have coming Montenegro on Tuesday Montenegro are similar to Luxembourg in terms of they're a a deep lying team they'll suck you in but they'll counter attack much much quicker and much more explosively than Luxembourg will they'll commit more numbers they'll play faster off the transitions so Ireland will have to do everything better than they did in the second half against Montenegro because because they're they're a decent side. Yeah, Lisa, is is that part like no Connor Coventry and Kilkenny beside them? They, do they just need to be a bit quicker with their passing to break that down? Because sometimes they can be a bit laboured and play it sideways or play it if if they're more. I don't know, explosive with their passing. Does does that help cut it down and as you say, isolate the defenders even more? 
Yeah, no, I think, I actually think, like, the problem was, like, because with Conor Coventry and Gavin Kilkenny, two really competent, comfortable footballers, both able to drop in, get on the ball, dictate the pace of the play. They can speed it up. They can slow it down. Um, they can, you know, they can receive and open up the pitch in one touch and, and get great switches of play. And um, the problem for me was Ireland what was happening was Ireland were trying to build initially in a back four and Coventry was dropping in. And at times Ireland had six players behind the ball in their own half building and you're not going anywhere. You needed Connor Coventry or Gavin Kilkenny to push on and, and to, to get in between the lines and give a little option to get, to get break that first line. That was the problem Ireland had over in Luxembourg and in the first half was a difficulty in breaking the first line because they I actually felt they had too many behind the ball. In the second half, what you had was you'd Connor Coventry dropping in alongside Mark McGuinness and Jake O'Brien, the two centre backs. Lee O'Connor, the full back, and Joel Bagan on the other side, they were both pushing really, really high. And then Ireland were able to stretch them because then Luxembourg had to open and push out and, and try and deal with the overloads in the wide areas. And once Ireland started to do that, then you'd go wide and then the space was opening up in the middle. So um, for me, those two lads, the problem wasn't necessarily, you know, the two of them were coming too deep initially. But then once one would drop in and we push the full backs on, Ireland had much more joy because they had more players to more options to actually break the lines, that first line of the Luxembourg defence. Pat, how impressed have you been by Jim Crawford? Because, of course, he was an old colleague of yours from your Shelburne days. But as as coach, head coach of the under-21s, what have you made of it so far? Yeah. Listen, I, I actually went up during the week to watch one of their sessions um, before the game because he, obviously he's Alan Reynolds when I'm there and John O'Shea. So I went up and had a look and... Jim's a really good fella, you know, even when he was a player, very thoughtful, you know, he wanted to be involved in the game. So, you know, he's he's a really, really good coach. Isn't the 21's job is a difficult job for, for anybody because if you look at, you know, if you look at the senior squad and the amount of players that could play for us around the 21 level that he doesn't have available, you know, and then obviously they had all the, the shenanigans last week around going to Montenegro, who could mm. travel, who couldn't, which wouldn't have helped him. But listen, I think, I think you know, again, that, that, job is like I said is is always hard we'd, we'd love to get to a point where we're, we can get a qualification for an under 21 tournament because I think it would help in the development of the, the younger players as well and I know it's difficult when you have boys that are playing in the senior team that can actually play at that level of getting them into the team to see can we get into a qualification uh, tournament you know so but look Jim, Jim's a really good coach really good coach and, 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 and a top fella you know and obviously he's got Alan and, and John O'Shea with him so they have a good group there Um. They worked. They worked really hard in the training session. I did, but I, I think, like I said, it's the 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 games that the, the points in Luxembourg. They know that 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 was difficult for them because all the difficult games are ahead, you know, and and that and that's where it's it's obviously going to be one and lost for them. You know, it's it's a big ass to be able to turn over the likes of Italy and Sweden are under twenty one level. But look at they they've given themselves a chance. They can go to Montenegro, pick up another three points, then they're set to say, right, well, we can go and have a go at these two because that's it. Then you know, and 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 hopefully they're able to go and. Because like I say, I think that would be a major help to us to get into the latter stages of these tournaments and qualify for them that, you know, players are getting experience at that level as well. And coming at, you know, if you watch the last under-21 finals, the quality of players in was was fantastic, was brilliant, you know. So if you're getting into them and you're, you're playing against that type of player, you can only improve as a player and as coaches as well, as young coaches, which the three boys are. 
Yeah, and a huge boost for Jim Crawford and everybody involved, Lisa, in the fact that the English-based players will now be able to travel because it was huge doubt because of the whole red list issue concerning players based in England and in Germany. But the fact that they can call upon those players, what a confidence booster that is for everybody. And there'll be a few League of Ireland players also travelling as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great to see the League of Ireland players getting called up. That's what we want to see. You know, we want... We want to see our players because you wonder sometimes, like you, you look back on James McLean and I always remember the James McLean one. It was like the minute he walked through the secure, the metal detector in, in the airport over in England, he was suddenly called up for international football. And, you know, we do have talented players in this league. And I think it's 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 great to see that progression. It's probably something we're going to see more of um, as the, the underage structures in the, in the League of Ireland start to bear fruits. You know, I think we will start to see more and more home-based players coming through the ranks and possibly with the impact of Brexit as well. But maybe something for the, you know, the FAI on the basis that that could happen is maybe we need to start thinking about as a league, do we need to start to replicate the international windows that you have in the UK. So for those international breaks, for players to go and do that, do we need to look at having international breaks here in our league to accommodate those players so that it doesn't disturb and disrupt the league here? Yeah, and just to be clear, you don't agree with the gaffer that the players have been used as <laughs> guinea pigs, do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 John is well able to speak for he himself. He is, he is, he is. Pat, Friday night, you were on co-commentary at Oriel Park for Dundalk 1, Shamrock Rovers nil. Obviously, we all expect that Shamrock Rovers will stroll on to win the title. This is merely just a bump in the road for them. But a very good game. Fine goal scored by Sean Murray. Superbly set up as well by Pat Huben. Dundalk up to sixth in the table. They're looking that little bit more secure now, Dundalk, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And they could go on a really good run now and get themselves high up the table uh, where they probably really should be. But... I think when they get the players that they had on the pitch on Friday and one or two more probably that were sitting in the stand and then get them back, they'll fancy their chances of climbing that table and also having a pop at winning that FAI Cup. And then all of a sudden that bad season mightn't be, or people are saying, mightn't, mightn't turn out to be as bad. But they were very competitive in the game. And I think that's the one thing when I've seen them previously this season, they lacked that little bit of an edge to them. But they had the edge the other night because Rovers were coming to town, you know, and and, and, and their, their big players all showed up on the night. And, you know, that's okay and that's fine on the night. But And I know Vinny's talked about injuries and everything else, but it's, you know, from that point of view, that that can't happen where players can switch on and switch off like that. That's That's got to be given through the course of the season, you know, and we all know what's gone on off the pitch there. It's From that point of view, it's been an absolute disaster. Rovers were probably lacking that little bit of an edge for me when it, when you watch the game. They're well in the game, but I don't think there was anything, you know, too much in the game between the both sides. I just thought Dundalk had a little bit more about them, desire to win the game. Rovers may be thinking, well, we're that far ahead and that little bit of an edge to, 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 to go and win the game up there on Friday night was probably missing a little bit from them. Um, but it was a good game. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, it was it was it was frantic at times. Good tempo too. A really good atmosphere in the stadium as well. So great to have supporters back. Um, but Dundalk probably 
will be delighted with the three points because, like you said, they're on a little bit of a run at the moment and they're coming into that stage of the season where they are still in the cup and they'll fancy their chances to win that. OK, in the first division, it finished Cavantilli 1, Cove Ramblers 2, Cork City with a thumping win over Wexford by four goals to nil and Shelburne, of course, already crowned champions. They drew 1-1 with Athlone Tan. Brian McManus scoring for Shelburne. Stephen Meany with the equalising goal for Athlone. Both goals scored in the first half. In the Evoke.ie Women's FAI Cup semi-finals, Shelburne 1-0 winners over Galway at Talca Park on Saturday afternoon. Noel Murray with the goal and what a goal it was. A couple of flicks over a couple of defenders and then the finish and she spoke after the game to Jonathan Higgins. Well, Noel, I think there's only one place to start. Uh, what a goal, individual goal. Um, as good as we'll see all weekend. Uh, I hope so. Um, I actually, when it comes to that, like, I didn't even know what I was actually doing, to be honest, and it just came off. I thought after I was clear on goal, I actually had a quick shock in my head that I was going to put it over the bar, but thankfully I put it in the back of the net. Yeah, that's uh, almost the stuff you dream about at times. Just like there was a bit sloppy and excellent. You're putting the ball over two defenders' heads and, and smashing it through. But it was, uh, I suppose, the first half in particular, as, as I suppose the whole game was, was kind of go. We made it very hard for you. I thought the work rate you know, was intense. It took a moment of magic like that to be the difference. Yeah, I actually had a feeling coming out today against Galway that it would be a really good goal that would win us the game. Galway are a really good team. They're a really good set of individual players as well. I think they always put it up against us. It wasn't easy. So thankfully we got over the line and cup final to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And even in the second half when they were a player less, they still rallied, still pinned you back. I know you were still dangerous in the break, but uh, I suppose that's probably a pleasing thing as well. You've got the victory, you're through to a cup final and the management will probably go, oh no, we need to improve X, Y and Z. Yeah, I think... Uh, Overall, like I think they really stepped it up again, even though losing the player, which was really good from them, to step it up again and not to strap the heads. But they really they fought it out for the full game, so really well done to them, but just really happy to get the win. That's Shelburne's Noel Murray. Two goals from Kylie Murphy helped Wexford Hughes defeat the holders P Mount United by three goals to one after extra time at Green Oak. Anya O'Gorman struck late for P Mount to force extra time, but Wexford hit two goals in extra time to seal a place in the final. Pat Costello caught up with Kylie Murphy after the match on Saturday. You know, P Mount's there's, there's no denying they're a fantastic, a fantastic soccer team. Um, they're well able to move the ball, they're able to move it quick, you know, but it was just a case of just wanting it more like and hassling them and getting at them. Yeah, It must have been a disappointment then to uh, concede the goal so late in the game, a minute into injury time, but the heads didn't drop. No, absolutely not. Never does. We'll, um, we'll, uh, we'll always stay fighting till the end. Do you know, um, yeah, it was, it was like a sucker punch now, I have to say, because we were, you could see us, we were trying to just play out the last few minutes and get the game done. But again, like, do you know, that happens, things happen. Um, they scored and we just reset, you know, we still, it wasn't, the game wasn't over, do you know, we were just drawn and we still had another 20 minutes to go out and prove it. Perfect start to the extra time, great uh, ball by Ellen Malloy. Yeah, it was fantastic. She done really well because she she, she kept dribbling and, and she what she done was she nearly drew the defender out, which opened an awful lot of space up for me. But um, it came pretty quick, so just I just thought hit it first time and thankfully it went in. Now you were champions in 2019. You lost at this stage to Piedmont last year. Was that the score to get into a final in I think, 2021? I think you know a final is so exciting. You know you want to be you want to be involved till the end of the season. So it's. Uh, Gone out of the league a little bit early as well. You know, the run of the league, Piedmont are, are more than likely going to pick that up. Um, so it's great to be involved now for the next couple of weeks, another five weeks to prepare. So it's, it's not going to be any easy feat. Like, Shells are a fantastic team. So it's only, it's only one more step. 
So it'll be a Shelburne Wexford Youths Cup final on the 21st of November at Tallis Stadium. That's one to look forward to. I guess from the outside looking in, Lisa, a lot of people would have perhaps expected with home advantage that Piemont might make it. And obviously most people expecting Piemont to go on and wrap up the league title. But there'll be no double for Piemont this year. But that was a very good win for Wexford and equally so for Shelburne. You know, you're involved obviously with Galway, a very gritty win for Shelburne as well. But that final to look forward to on the 21st of November, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I'm delighted for Kylie Murphy because I was sitting in doing co comms on the women's final last year, and she was, Kylie was just across from me doing co comms for radio. And we were chatting before the game and she was just, you know, she would have given anything to have yeah. been out on the pitch, you know. Um, and that's the type of player she is. So delighted to see her getting the two goals and to see her back in, a, in another final. But, you know, I didn't see that game. Um, I saw the goals and stuff afterwards. But, you know, Wexford looked like they really, really were up for it. And, and to be able to recover from that sucker punch right at the end when Anya O'Gorman equalised, you know, that showed probably the intent. And, and she, she mentioned it there that they wanted it more. So, you know, they had that hunger and they had that, you know, desire to go and get themselves back there. Um, the Shelburne-Galway game, you know, Galway were really, really resilient, really well set up. And you can you can see the job that Stephen Lally is doing there, you know, and, and all the, the players, the experienced players that have come back in and the likes of Savannah McCarthy, you know, she's flying at the moment. And, you know, they have a really good nucleus of a team there. And, it, you know, I think Galway are an up-and-coming team and we're going to see certainly, they're going to be in a lot more conversations over, over the next year or two, that's for sure. But yeah, no well, Murray's goal, my goodness, mm. <laughs> it, was, it was just sublime, wasn't it? Mm. You know, Matt Letizia, <laughs> I think a few people have referenced it already. Matt Letizia would have been proud of that one. But um, but no, like Noel does that week in, week out. And, and not only week in, week out, like she's been doing that for years. I remember when I was coaching at the Shamrock Rovers women's team, Noel was, was doing stuff like that in training and she was sticking goals in, you know, like that then. So Noel definitely, you know, that's just, she's the type of player, she sees it and she has that confidence and just goes and executes it. And she, her, I tell you, her highlights reel of her best goals over her career would make some view and I can <laughs> tell you if, if someone could put them together. But listen, it's going to be an absolute belter of a final. Shelburne, such a strong team and obviously lost a few players this year you know big players for them gone across to England but you know they still have that quality there and you know they still have a lot of really really good players coming through and they those players will have hunger too because they'll want to win something this year so I actually think that's going to be an unbelievable I think that's going to be a cracking final Absolutely quick reminder before we go Ireland Qatar live on Radio 1 Extra and on RT2 television on Tuesday evening thanks again to Lisa Fallon also to Pat Fennan and of course as ever to James O'Toole until the next time from us all bye bye 